Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. The types of problems we're dealing with because of the pace of technological change, because of the increasing uh, complexities of our society, uh, because of the increasing complexities faced in our environment, that we no longer have problems that can be resolved through a single perspective, that by virtue of a complex, multifaceted problem requires a multifaceted and multidisciplinary response. And by not exploring all these particular aspects of a problem, you possibly don't land with a solution that suffices all the people who are impacted by it. Welcome back. I hope you've had a fantastically awesome week so far. If you haven't listened yet to my recent conversations with public relations and media expert Nia Lee and with leadership expert Roxanne Kaufman-Elliott of Pro Laureate, then do listen in. Only after you've listened to today's conversation, of course. I'm really excited to have as my guest today on the Innova Buzz podcast, Jamie Watson, the founding director of the Common Mission Project Australia. Prior to joining the Common Mission Project, Jamie spent more than 30 years working for the Defence Department in Australia. As an operator and a researcher, Jamie has gained unique insights into the application of novel solutions to complex problems. He's held strategic defence science liaison roles within Australia and the United States. He has extensive experience in translating problems and statements into research and development activities. Jamie is an experienced innovation instructor, a coach, and a mentor. He's driven by an insatiable appetite to deliver meaningful outcomes to beneficiaries. In our discussion today, Jamie talked to me about bringing together university students, government sponsors, and lean methodology to solve big problems. He explained the importance of getting cross-disciplinary inputs to solving problems and talked about drilling down to the real problem beyond the presenting symptoms. Without further ado, then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Jamie Watson. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast from relatively just up the road from me, compared to many of my guests, Canberra in Australia, Jamie Watson. Jamie's the founding director of the Common Mission Project in Australia. 
Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Jamie. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Yeah, thanks, Jürgen. It's great to be here, and I'm really looking forward to what we get to discuss today. Steve Weinstein, who was our guest on episode 380 of the Innova Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you, Jamie. And of course, you also work closely with two of our other previous guests, Steve Blank, who was on episode 326, and Pete Newell, who was on episode 345. So a big hello to Steve, Pete, and Steve. Yeah, so I work closely with, with them all. Uh, in fact, we're going to talk about... Uh, you know where where I land and how I got to what I'm doing today, and and those those gentlemen and what they've been working on for a number of years is really fundamental you know, to to why I'm doing what I'm doing. They they provided for me a great hook uh, to doing something bigger and doing something different and a framework to make an impact in this world. So I'm happy we can talk through that a little bit as well. Wonderful. Well. I know you've got a, a long background in the Navy and in defence science and associated fields. You describe yourself as an intrapreneur, so I'm really keen to explore what that means. Um, before we do that, uh, what is it that drives you and, and how did that shape what you do today? Well, I think I want to make an impact, um, Jürgen. I think I'm really passionate about making a difference. Making a difference uh, for me means making a difference to people who have had a shared background to me. So for military operators, people have been on that cold face and that has driven me for many, many years. But as, as I grow older and as I grow more and more aware of larger issues and more complex issues, my passion for solving problems has extended well beyond that traditional sector base of defense and national security now into more pressing challenges that uh, cross uh, border, cross boundaries, uh, cross generations, across socioeconomic uh, borders that impact us all. So we're talking about issues like uh, environment. Uh, we're talking about issues about um, uh, access. We talk about issues such as you know, economic stability and things like this. So, so we we at the Commission Project we say we're we're about dealing with the most largest issues of our time and tackling those complex issues and then empowering people with the skills and the tools and the ability to go out and um, and make a difference there. Mm. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm thinking that these large global issues, uh, there's not going to be a, a small little local team solve those, although you know people will come up with ideas everywhere, of course, but it does require global cooperation to tackle those global problems and solve them and i think this last year if it's taught us one thing it's that we're all in this together and um you know we've had this pandemic go across the planet like a raging wildfire and we're all faced with the same challenges as a result so to work together to solve those problems is is certainly something that i think can benefit all of us as as a species yeah absolutely um you're gonna think you know the, the problems we face don't discriminate uh by virtue of the things that we might normally put up uh, boundaries or borders between between mm -hmm. people and say so we've seen this in COVID. it's it's indiscriminatory into in 
as to who it's impacted and, and where it's impacted, it's been really a, a global global challenge. And I think over the next uh, hundred years, we'll see more and more of challenges of of that scale and of that nature. And what we say, you know, the traditional ways we've thought about solving problems, the traditional way that we've approached uh, addressing these challenges, increasingly won't be the way we'll be able to address these global challenges of global scale and of national scale uh, that meet um, meet us head on in a way that we've never really had to deal with as a as a race. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, tell us a little bit more. Give us some background about the Common Mission Project, what it's about, what is the mission, and um, yeah. how you're going about it. Yeah, so the, the Commission Project, we're a, a not-for-profit here in Australia and we're part of uh, an affiliated network globally with a presence in the United States and in the United Kingdom. Uh, we exist to empower what we would call mission-driven entrepreneurs, so people who bring an entrepreneurial mindset to solving problems but are driven to solve that by the mission or solving the, the challenge rather than for an economic uh, return. Um, and we do that by providing universities, uh, both the academic staff and the students, a methodology, which is based on the Lean Launchpad methodology, which is really about taking a whole lot of learning and knowledge about how startups work, how startups go through the process of understanding a market and understanding a customer, understanding a beneficiary and understanding product market fit or understanding how a solution might service a particular market sector and using that way of thinking to solve solve problems. So we're really about exploring a problem, understanding potential solutions in terms of what we might call a minimum viable product uh, to use that terminology. And then trying to do solution beneficiary fit and say, would this solution actually make a difference for people who won't want, want this problem solved? And then going through a very deliberate process using a canvas, which we call the mission model canvas, which is a, a, a way of representing all the different aspects of the solution and stepping through that over the course of a semester in a structured, deliberate um, supported and facilitated way with students and academic staff. Mm. So a lot of it's about education from a very practical point of view, which probably certainly it wasn't in my time at university, uh, yeah. isn't part of the standard curriculum. Yeah, absolutely. And then what we do, and it's not just the, about the education, we also bring in a problem sponsor. So someone who has a problem, someone who has a challenge, and work with them and the students to 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 find a solution. So, uh, you know, you could talk about that, you know, practical education or real world education, but you know, this is not simply an assignment-based education, which is hypothetical about how might you address a potential problem. This is dealing with a real problem that is owned by government sponsors or large organizations that requires significant new ways of thinking and so there's buy-in already to a potential beneficiary or problem sponsor who wants this problem solved so what the students would also be working on is 
if they determine a potential solution to that problem, what is then the deployment pathway? So how would they work with the problem sponsor, government or some other organisation to implement that possible solution? And, and again, in a deviation from a standard way of teaching, we use a flipped classroom approach where the real learning comes from the students themselves, from what they've discovered during the week, who they've spoken to, how they've worked through the process and what they've learned, and then sharing those lessons and insights with each other. And then just the teaching team really acting as facilitators, guides, and coaches in that very complex learning environment. Mm, that's a fascinating approach. And it's something that is is certainly different to the traditional education system, isn't it? But more aligned with what um, people will experience out in the real world when they continue to learn. And hopefully all these young people uh, have that mindset that they want to continue to learn. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think what we're also doing, Jürgen, is we're creating the workforce for the future and positioning them to be able to quickly add value with real employable and usable skills in the in the workforce uh, and that that is really needed so the type of student who would work through this process at the back end of this would be very equipped to work in a complex and ambiguous ambiguous workforce and work through solving a problem and have an experience base that they've already gained through that university training program. So, so from day one in the workforce, they would be equipped and ready to tackle some really big challenges. Hmm. So how do you go about putting those teams together in this um, university environment? Is it uh, specific to a particular uh, faculty or a particular skill set or do you draw people together from a whole variety of different areas? And if, if that's the case, how do you kind of, how, what's the focus then? What's the glue that brings everybody together? Uh, Jürgen, I think best practice, uh, and this is the experience that has come from uh, across the United States and the UK, and we're starting to implement and learn here, is to deal with the types of problems that we've talked about of national, global scale, uh, cross-boundary type of issues, you really do need a multidisciplinary approach. You, you want people coming from various backgrounds, various experience bases, uh, various academic disciplines, um, and to, to pull it through from different perspectives. And often you will find that people who you wouldn't necessarily think are affiliated with a particular problem will add immense value. And so what I mean by that is if you think of a problem as a technical problem and you start to situate the problem through an engineering lens, you're going to consider to con continue to consider the problem from that perspective. But by opening up to broader interdisciplinary approaches, and suddenly you might have a humanities student look at what you had thought of as an engineering problem and start talking about 
a whole range of issues that might not have originally come up with. They talk about how is this solution going to land in an environment where there is a complex human machine interface issue or um, if you brought a lawyer into the team they might start to say well you know what what are the legal implications of this technical solution much earlier than you might think about it if you went down a, a, an engineering path so you know that that's a useful thing uh, and often you know I, I like this this um, phrase of naive experts right where you bring someone who is very good at a particular skill but they might be naive to a particular problem set or a domain and they can add value by looking at a problem finding analogies to that problem uh, identifying parallel uh, applications uh, and also having access to a whole different uh, set of people who might benefit from solving that problem and bring a whole lot of new and wonderful insights uh, to a problem and I, and I think that's that's the richness of this experience and this and this um, this program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's. A, I mean, certainly to have people learn that because in the, the traditional path, I guess, in the university is you are to very much cloistered in your own particular um, faculty or area, and and there really isn't a lot of work that happens to cross fertilize ideas um, until you get outside of that or you know people take their own initiative of course mm. and get involved in social or other activities outside their curriculum but the the idea of marrying that up with the curriculum itself is really valuable i think i mean if we think about the pandemic and and what's being mm. done there to address that you've got you know you've got public health officials you've got uh, medical experts involved immunologists involved you've got um, economists involved because of the impact of shutdowns or the lack of travel or uh, on the economy um, the you've got um, behavioral psychologists people that look after mental health involved because of the impact of of on people's mental health when they're stuck at home and and no longer have the interactions that they're used to or that they crave perhaps so there's so many different aspects isn't there of of these issues that that we face and the pandemic is just one that's top of mind for everybody right now for good or bad that we do need Mm. to bring in all these different areas yeah no and i I think this is because of the nature of the problem jürgen the the types of problems we're dealing with because of the pace of technological change because of the increasing uh, complexities of our society uh, because of the increasing complexities faced in our environment that we no longer have problems that can be resolved through a single perspective that by virtue of a complex multifaceted problem requires a multifaceted and multidisciplinary response and by not exploring all these particular aspects of a problem you possibly don't land with a solution that suffices all the people who are impacted by 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 the by the problem and so that's why i think you know the fundamental uh, principle of the 
you know, hacking for methodology, which we is what the, the name of this uh, approach is called, is about getting outside the building, talking to people who are associated with a problem, who care about the problem, want to see the problem solved and listen to what they, they say. And I think just by virtue of doing that and the discipline of, of speaking to people and asking them about what they, what their needs are, trying to work out how a potential solution might meet those needs, address their pains and their gains to use uh, the, the, the terminology of uh, product market fit. Um, you will go down the path of exploring this and you will go down the path of understanding this complexity and understanding this multifaceted nature of, of a complex problem in a very deliberate and structured way, but also in a way that can occur in very rapid succession. So we're not talking about a methodology that would propose a three, four or five year research uh, um, program. And there are sorts of problems where, where you certainly need to do that. There are certain, certain types of problems where you will need to do deep technical research to solve. But there are a bunch of other problems where we can get very rapid traction by understanding the problem, exploring potential solutions. And we would talk about that in terms of problem validation, understanding that, you know, you might say to me, Jamie, I, I really care about problem X. I think this is the problem. Uh, I'm very motivated to solve this problem, but I don't really know much about it. But I just, I, I just got this inkling that we need to, to solve it. And I'm prepared to, you know, get involved but I don't know much about it. And then by empowering some people to get outside the building, to go and talk to people, to explore the problem, we'll go through a process of understanding that problem in greater detail. And we may come back and say, you know, we started at X, we started with thinking the problem was about um, the built environment, say, and about, uh, you know, how we're building housing of the future. And we might go and talk to a whole lot of potential people who care about that problem, we might say the problem is very little to do with housing of the future. And what we have is a problem associated uh, just with um, access to existing housing stock. Now, I just made, made that up, but you know, it, it's often we spend very little time understanding the problem and a lot of energy trying to solve problems we've not understood. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's the real value of what the Common Mission Project does. Invest a lot of time and energy understanding, exploring the problem, clarifying who cares about the problem, who should be involved in solving the problem. Before we go and turn lots of handles and crank a lot of, you know, handles on it and bring a lot of energy and resources in solving a problem that might not be the actual, the... Mm the true underlying problem. Yeah. So it's a little, a little bit like, um, taking the symptoms that you're presented with and exploring those some more to get it. Well, what's the, what's the problem actually causing those symptoms? And let's, yeah. And let's, yeah. Let's address yeah, that core problem. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and that's right. And you know, you can treat the symptoms forever, um, mm. but you will never get to really start addressing the root cause of of the problem and and i think there are a whole lot of 
people in government, in industry, other not-for-profits who care about addressing the root cause of the problem. And it's hard to get to the root cause of problems. And, and, it, and as I said, that's, that really takes you know, going out and talking to people, learning more, unpacking the problem, listening to people um, in, a, in a structured and deliberate process because it's, I think it's just too easy to, to assume you understand a problem and just get on with the, the job of trying to, to solve it rather than just spend that little bit of time and energy understanding it. Hmm. Well, I, I'm curious because if you look at the university sector, I mean, they have been, um, for, from a public funding point of view, really put under a lot of pressure. But at the same mm. time, there is a lot of money going into universities now from private industry, from things like defence in particular. And um, so how, how, with all that investment going in there, how does your program bring out some some more value than, than what the current system already provides? Yeah, you know, I think that's, that is a good question. And I think what the Common Mission Project offers in terms of the value to a university uh, is if you step through this type of process, if you deliberately go out and explore potential solutions to a complex problem solution pathways and explore technologies through a process of trying to understand who cares about that problem, who benefits from solving that problem, what are the ways in which you would implement solutions. If you do that, and you do that at the outset of initiating a research program, you have already de-risked the pathway to impact of your research outcomes. So let me explain that in another way. We can spend a lot of effort researching a problem or researching a technology with not necessarily knowing what we would do with the outcomes of that research. Now, there's certain times again where that research is appropriate. That's what we call blue sky novel research. And we will invest heavily upfront to make that technical breakthrough, after which time we might start to think about what are the applications of this technical breakthrough. But what this program potentially offers is identifying problems and identifying research activities which if the outcome of that research was successful, you would have an immediate pathway to impact of that research. So you're saying, we've talked to people, we've understood a problem. To solve this problem, we would need to do A, B, and C, and there might be D, which might need a few more years of research. If we can research D and determine the way to solve D, then we have an immediate opportunity to implement that research that's going to deliver a profound improvement to people's lives. Now, I think if you did that at the start of research programs, 
that's that's a bonus. That's a bonus for the universities who are seeking to deliver impact and demonstrate the value of what they they do. And you bring in some of that. Again, you're not going to do that for everything. It's not always going to be the case. But if you bring that forward, you know, more often, then you will result in demonstrable impact for research programs. Yeah, that's interesting. You you touched on something there that and and it, it kind of raised a question in my mind. And the, what you touched on there was the blue sky research, how important that is for building fundamental knowledge, but then the balance between that blue sky research and something that then takes you know, the knowledge that you're acquiring and actually applies it to a real problem in a way that makes a difference to that problem, contributes towards solving that problem. And the question in my mind is around the balance that the universities have to tread, particularly in this time where governments are cutting back on, on funding in that sector of, you know, how much blue sky can they do and how much um, practical problem-solving application can they do within this framework of having to pitch for funding? That's a that's a big complex question. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I think to be able to have so I think sometimes you got to think about um, capability, right? Um, and universities need to have. A capability right so i think of capability terms so I, I bring my analogy if i want um if i want to be able to do something i need the tools i need the equipment i need the people and resources to do that so if i want to be able to solve a practical problem with immediate value to government economic value i want to create um I want to create intellectual property that can be commercialized. I need the capability to be able to do that. And I, I think that capability in the university sector is fundamentally drawn from that blue sky research. And so I think these things go hand in hand. So unless you're pushing the edge of the envelope, unless you have the capability to think to the next horizon, then you don't have the skills to think about the more practical problem solving that's going to deliver a solution in a more immediate term. Now, I think that's very nuanced. That's a, you know, but I think mm. we need to think of that. We need to build capability for tomorrow. And so we need to invest in, in that or we end up with a capability that can only deal with problems that we've seen before, problems that we know how to solve, uh, problems that are tractable using traditional methods. And I think that's why we need capability to think well beyond, you know, we talk about different horizons of innovation, horizon, you know, one, two, and three to use the McKinsey model. So I think a healthy ecosystem is not measured by the size of the ecosystem, but a healthy ecosystem is measured by 
the diversity of players in the ecosystem. And so whilst I I would operate it down this end of the ecosystem, looking for um, traction on big problems and looking for pathways to impact, I'm very conscious that that could not operate unless there were players in the ecosystem across the breadth of problem sets. Hmm. So in, in some ways, it's um, kind of balancing long and short-term needs as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so building the foundations as well as addressing the immediate issues. And I think that goes um, even at a, at a personal level, right? This is why... Mm. This is why we read. This is why we engage in dialogue. Um, we're not individually always about solving today's problem, but we're equipping ourselves with the skills and the understanding to be ready to solve that next problem. And I think the ecosystem operates like that. So I think, you know, if I'll say anything, I think the Common Mission Project and myself is, you know, we are profoundly good corporate citizens in the ecosystem in terms of understanding the different parts, the different components and supporting and playing our part in an ecosystem that's going to deliver an impact in the short term and in the long term. And there's some some benefits that we would deliver that I don't think we'll see a return on investment for a few years. Maybe I often sort of think Maybe I won't see the impact of what we do in some respects for a decade hmm. because it'll be a decade before we're starting to see the students that we are training up, we're exposing this way of thinking. You know, it will be at the back end of this decade when they're rising to levels of leadership in government and industry where they can have a profound influence on how decisions are made, how investment is is made. But I think that's what it means to operate in this ecosystem. Mm. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, I, I think it's a really uh, commendable approach to kind of change the mindset in some ways of of the you know the skills that people bring out of a university education. So how how do you connect? Um, these mission-driven entrepreneurs mm. that that you talk about, how do you connect them with the students or with the people running the programs at the university? Yeah, so what we in the Common Mission Project do, so we go through a process of working with a government sponsor, so a government uh, stakeholder who has a problem, curating their problem and making sure it's, developed and articulated in a way that is actually tractable and and can be addressed by a student group using this methodology over the period of the semester, working with that government sponsor to provide them training and education to understand a little bit about the methodology and the journey. Then working with the university to say, well, you know, what are the what's the focus and emphasis of your university? What type of students would you bring in? Uh, then working with the student cohort themselves to match them into uh, that problem and sponsor group, and then working more diversely into the ecosystem 
with uh, mentors and industry um, support. So there's a really significant amount of work in terms of making sure that there's a whole network around a student team to go forward and address, address this problem. And so one of the benefits then you, you get through this, we talk about you build the ecosystem around the problem. So we go back to the problem originally that, you know, we said you had a hypothetical problem with you, Jürgen, about, you know, housing of the future. And mm. at the outset, you might say it was me and my colleague, we were thinking about um, housing and, and uh, access to, to housing. We didn't really know who was involved in this, this problem. But through that process of breaking down the problem, building up that network, over the course of 10, 11, 12 weeks, you've built this ecosystem of players around, around, that, around that problem. And we'd even say, you know, at, at some point, the student team themselves very likely will understand more about the problem than the person who posed the problem to them. And, and that's the sort of good problem, the problems we like to work on is, Let's let's unpack this. Let's explore. So the common mission project. That's I think you know one of the fundamental roles we play and where we add the value of brokering, supporting, working with um, all the different parts of this ecosystem to bring them together. And so we would describe that as one of the most important things we do is is we we provide the connections that allow people to coalesce on a problem. Mm. Okay, and, and so for the sponsor, there's the immediate benefit is that they might have a lot of inputs around how to deal with that problem or what, what the underlying factors are or what the real problem might be if it's, you know, if they've come with a symptom. And, and for the students, of course, they get the benefit that you've talked about broadening their horizons and education, learning how to work together with other people across the silos of expertise, if you like, the silos of, of um, technical expertise. And then the university, of course, has additional funding for enhanced education opportunities. Yeah, that's... that's um... Thanks for reflecting back on that, Jürgen. It's always good <laughs> when someone summarizes what you've said and go, uh, yeah, so I think we, you know, there's, there's benefits to many, uh, many different people in this, in this program. I think there's a benefit that students get access to a first class world standard program that, that delivers them real skills to go in, in the workplace. It gives them that sense of, contributing to something bigger and making a difference. You know, the problem sponsor gets access to a methodology that accelerates their understanding, gives them traction on, on the problem. Uh, you know, I think the university itself has an opportunity to give their students a really great experience and uh, uh, training educational uh, value. But there's also a bunch of other 
benefits as well, which I'm I'm already seeing here in Australia, is you know, people are building networks, they're building friendships, they're building building community, and um, that's really great to see that play out. You know, that's a, that we're we're creating those connections between individuals, organisations. We're giving access from government into whole new ways of thinking about problems in whole new areas to to source for knowledge and insight. Mm. Yeah, and, and those connections are hugely valuable moving forward, aren't they? Because there's, mm. uh, like we talked about earlier, that um, none of these problem, none of these big problems, are in isolation to any one particular city, country, or region, and the more people we can get together to work on them, the quicker we'll find ways to address them. Yeah, and you know, I think one of the, the benefits of, you know, for me as I work globally is, you know, we're sharing best practice in how we apply this methodology as well. This is not just, you know, something that we've developed here locally with with one university we're sharing experiences across more than 50 universities internationally with insights on how to approach this type of problem solving which is really is really great and it's great for this you know australian students to be part of that global experience as well and being exposed to that global methodology that international um, methodology hmm all right love it yeah it's great so I think now would be a good time, though, to move on to the buzz round, which is our innovation mm. round designed to help our audience who are primarily innovators in their field with mm. some tips from your experience. So I've got five questions. Hopefully you'll give us an answer that will inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. So first question is, what, what do you think the number one thing is anyone needs to do to be more innovative? I think have a hard problem. <laughs> I think if you want to, uh, uh, seriously, if, if you want to be innovative, deal with a hard problem that pushes you into a new place with new challenges. That's, I think that's the, the grounding of innovation. Mm. Yeah, I love that. So it's kind of like um, if, if you don't have any problems, go out and find one because uh, that's you practice solving a problem. That's where you come up with the ideas. Yeah, there's no shortage of, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yes, there isn't any. There's no shortage, so you'll um, just don't make any new ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? This is really hard. I think this is this is hard for people to do, but I think the best thing I've ever done, and this is this is repeatable in so many places is listen to feedback. Mm. Seek out feedback and listen to feedback on on anything. Um, and that's where the best learning lies. Yeah, there's the value of feedback. I mean, people sometimes discard feedback if, if it's perceived as criticism, if it uh, feels like it hurts their ego. And yet, mm. the um, there's nearly always value in it, even if it might be hurtful. Yeah, and I think we can get better at receiving feedback. 
I think it's a it's something you can practice. It's something you can learn to do. But if you only seek feedback, very rarely, if the only feedback you seek is, you know, from your mother or <laughs> you know someone who's going to give you positive affirmation, we're not going to learn to receive feedback. Uh, and the first time we get negative feedback, it is hard. And, and there's different ways to frame that. You can say, can you give me constructive hmm. feedback? But I think it's something, it's a skill that we can learn, we can develop, we can enhance. Uh, and so I, I seek out feedback and I surround myself with people who I know are going to give me honest and open and persistent feedback. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think we we can all learn to receive feedback better. I think we can also all learn to give feedback better in a way that is more helpful to the person we're giving the feedback to without without sugarcoating it if there's something, hey, I'd like you to improve this. There's no need to sugarcoat it to improve it, but I think there's ways to deliver that message um, much much better, so that the other person is is receptive to it. Um, so, what's a resource that you use most often? A favourite one? So, I would suggest the Mission Model Canvas, which is mm -hmm. one of the core tools of the the program we provide. And and I say that because I'd used many different tools over the, over the years, and the great affinity I I had with this is just having a simple tool to allow you to step through different different components of an innovative idea. So a deliberate way of structuring your thinking based on hypothesis testing and making sure your assumptions are. Valid and the mission model canvas is all about those core principles of innovation, feasibility, desirability, and viability. So I think just having a tool like that that you can go to and think about it uh, and structure your structure your process. And I think it's a very visual framework, isn't it? If I remember correctly from what I've seen. Yeah, one one page. Yeah, simple one page. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, now, what's the best way to keep one of these projects on track? Or do you hand that off to uh, somebody else? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, so classic Mark Twain, you know, quote, quote, you know, eat a live frog every morning. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's that's my approach. Is you know. Every day, choose to do something that is hard or is that it is uncomfortable to avoid that then carrying on and becoming a blockage later on. So dealing with the hard issues and making it a habit of dealing with the hard issues early. And that I think just opens up your time, opens up a project. It allows you to deal with risk earlier rather than later uh, it creates it creates space for you to operate in a complex project that you might not have if you shift uh, risk and complexity to the back end so I just say deal deal with the hard stuff 
Hmm. Deal with the hard stuff first. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. And and also, I mean, if you keep putting off the hard stuff, it's kind of like a Damocles sword, isn't it? It's always dangling up there. And and, and whilst you're distracting yourself with the easy stuff, hmm. um, you're probably distracted by that Damocles sword hanging yeah. above your head. So <laughs> you get that out of the way first, too. The easy stuff becomes easier too. All right. Now, what's the best thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? I think be authentic. Hmm. Be authentic about what you are doing. And look, I just say from personal experience, there there are many people who, you know, would be working to be involved in finding innovative solutions to things. There are probably many people who can create a, a, a greater or communicate more effectively or tell a greater story or something like that. But I think authenticity can't be simulated. It can't be faked. Uh, you, you can't be authentic without a really deep belief in something and a deep affinity to something. And I think people see see that. It comes across in the way that you speak, even when you're struggling for words. It comes across in the way you engage with people, even if you can be clumsy in that. It comes across in the way you write. It comes through. And I think people see authenticity and people align themselves with authentic authentic people and authenticity in a way that is meaningful and that is profound and in a way that makes a difference. So I think if you are authentic in doing what you do, you will stand out. Mm. Yes, that's, uh, that's a very strong case for just being yourself, because right? um, if you relax and be yourself, genuine, genuinely, that's generally, that's hard to say, um, that's being authentic. So thanks, Jamie. This has been fabulous. Now, where can people learn more about the Common Mission Project and find out more about you and maybe even reach out? Get in touch, say thank you for what you shared today and, and maybe resume a conversation about some specific ideas or thoughts or uh, opportunities. That would be great, Jürgen. So they can go to our website, which is commonmission.org.au. That's commonmission.org.au. Or they can uh, email us at info at commonmission.org.au. All right, we'll include those links in the show notes so people can click straight through. Now, do you have any parting advice for our listener today as we wrap this up? I would say um, be a participant. Mm. Be a participant in solving problems that matter. And you can do that by engaging through us or you can do that through engaging with a local community group. But I think... Just be a participant, and I think that's what we need. People who are going to say, I, I'm not going to ride 
along with this, I'm not going to be an observer. I'm going to actively participate in solving complex problems and making difference for you know the environment, for humanity, for our nation, for whatever it is that you're motivated to to be involved with. Yeah, yeah, that's a great call to action. I love that. And one of the things I've found quite frustrating over the last year, in particular around this pandemic and so on, is, is there's just been such an intense um, barrage of people criticizing others um, without getting into the arena, like the Franklin Roosevelt quote about, um, you know, if you haven't got your hands dirty and you're not in the arena, um, shoveling the you know what <laughs> then then stop criticizing and and I think it's a great call to action to um, be a participant in solving problems that that um, you feel passionate about solving love it all right well finally Jamie who else should I get on this podcast and why I've got a whole <laughs> list of people you could talk to but a, a couple of people whose insight and wisdom that I gain immense value from is one is uh, William Tresseter in uh, works for BMT in the USA uh, and also I think uh, David Burt who's the head of entrepreneurship at University of New South Wales. Okay well, we'll reach out to William and David maybe get an introduction from you and start the conversation with them. So thanks for that. And thanks for sharing your time and your insights so generously with us today, Jamie. I've really uh, appreciated learning a lot more about the Common Mission Project and how you go about connecting universities and, and government agencies that have um, particular issues that they're dealing with that perhaps need a different perspective on that and how at the same time you're providing opportunities both for the universities and for the, the students there to gain a different type of education than just the technical education that than perhaps most of us had in the past. So well done and keep up the great work and all the best for the future and let's stay in touch. Yeah, thanks so much, Jürgen. Uh, it's been great to talk to you today. I hope you really enjoyed that engaging and informative conversation with Jamie and took something away from his episode that will inspire some action in your business. I love the idea of mission-driven leadership, uniting university students and entrepreneurs with like-minded problem solvers in government and academia in order to solve critical challenges that we have. I'd love to know what you took away from Jamie's episode. And I'd love you to tell me by leaving a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Jamie Watson. That is J-A-M-I-E-W-A-T-S-O-N. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Jamie Watson. You'll also find contact information there to get in touch with Jamie, as well as links to the Common Mission Project website, to Jamie's LinkedIn profile and the other resources we spoke about in today's conversation. Now, if you like this episode and got value out of it, then don't 
keep it for yourself. Share it with at least two other people that it also might help and will get value from it. And tag me in on that share so that I can thank you with a special surprise gift. Jamie suggested that we have a conversation with William Treseder of BMNT and with David Burt, Head of Entrepreneurship at the University of New South Wales on future Innova Buzz podcast episodes. So William and David, keep an eye on your inboxes for an invitation from us to the Innova Buzz podcast courtesy of Jamie Watson. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including Jonathan Cullinan of Online Business Accelerator and author, speaker and leadership mentor Eric Rogel. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.